0: Hey, if you have a Bible, would you do me a favor, would you go, I'm going to ask you to go to Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to read verse 31. I'm also going back into our series, we were talking about good success. Anybody remember? I talked about that for a couple of weeks. Nobody remembers? That's cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so those are online if you want to check those out. Some of you were actually in the room. So that'd be cool. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, 8 through 9 was our theme for this this series. And this is what what the Bible says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. that You may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. And we were talking about good success. Because being godly isn't about just being moral. And doing it God's way isn't about just being right. It's it's just better. It's not just theological. It's logical. Can somebody say amen? And we need more than inspiration. We need interpretation. It's not enough to read your Bible. You must study it so that you can understand it. That's why I told Joshua. He said meditate in it day and day. And night. Why is that? Because every command that God gives us is for our joy. God is not trying to take anything from you, but give something to you. All of God's instruction is for your advancement. In other words, the, the idea we're, we're given the instruction of be holy is not, is not just like be without sin. Because if you're just trying to, to stop sinning, then you're living below the means And the level that God has for your life. Amen. Be holy means we're reserved. We're set apart for a specific use. It's more than morality. And you limit your life when all you're trying to do is stop sinning. It's time for you to start succeeding. It's time for you to get victory. It's time for those things that seem to be repetitive and habitual in your life, those things that you cannot seem to break. It's time for those things to break by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody in the room agree with me today? So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We're we're believing that over these next few moments we have together, you're going to speak clearly to us. We love you. We honor you. We're grateful for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Man, anybody in the room thankful for Derek Hudson? Come on, man. I'm so grateful. It's so good when you get to leave and you get to leave the church with better preachers than yourself. I mean, that's, that's a cool position to be in. I've been in some churches where when the pastor's gone, it's just like, it just kind of falls off a cliff, right? But I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful for the preachers that God is raising up in this house? And they're not just people with great gifts. These are people with great character. And I'm thankful for a man like Derek And Nathan Livingston's another one. Just so much godly character and just comes up here with a word, but, but the character to back it up. And I'm thankful for that. I've had enough of gifted people. I want people who walk what they talk. Amen. Genesis 29 Listen to what verse 31 says. It says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, or she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. (laughs) So she named him Judah. Then she stopped, the Bible says, having children it doesn't say that her womb was closed and god stopped it says she stopped how many understand there's a difference between god stopping you and you stopping (laughs) i i've i've been i've been on this this just theme in my life just because you can doesn't mean you should come on somebody that applies to a lot of things going on in our lives right now leah leah She was the wife of Jacob. She was the wife of Jacob that was unloved. She was the wife that he did not choose. She was not the beautiful one. She was the other one. The one the Bible said had an issue with her eyes. But God sovereignly, by his grace, loved her. And when he saw that she was unloved, the Bible says he opened up her womb. God did this because he loved her. God did this because he had compassion on her. God did not do this so that she could be loved by Jacob. Because he understands that, that if we get caught up in producing things so that people will love us, that's a false love. So he didn't open up her womb so that Jacob would love her. He opened up her her womb to prove to her that he loved her, even though Jacob didn't. And so she's having children, believing that it will make him love her. So when she has Judah, she finally realizes, I'm loved by God. I'm seen by God. I'm heard by God. I'm connected to God. And she shifts her focus from pleasing Jacob to praising God. And if If I could could get you to do anything today, I I would pray that you would shift your focus from pleasing people to praising God. From pleasing man to praising God. And it's one of the reasons you don't praise God is because you're trying to please people. One of the reasons people don't lift their hands and sing out loud and maybe dance if they feel it in their soul is because they're worried about what other people would think. And I just came to tell you, you're in a room today that there's no judgment over your praise. All of us have a story and all of us have a testimony. And I'm not about to look at you and tell you to calm down because I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're praising God for. I don't know why you're crying this morning. I'm just glad you feel the presence of God. I don't know why your hands are lifted this morning. I'm just glad your hands are lifted this morning. I don't know why you're dancing and I don't know where you got that dance from. I'm just glad you feel something in your soul enough Come on, man, to dance in the presence. Anybody in the room tired of trying to please people and you just want to spend the rest of your life praising the Lord? Come on, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Maybe you didn't take advantage of it a couple minutes ago. Maybe you could stand on your feet. Maybe you could lift up your voice. Maybe you could throw up your hands. Come on, give God a praise this morning. I'm not trying to please men. I'm trying to praise God. Woo. Hey, and if and if my praise doesn't make you happy, hey, it wasn't for you in the first place. If you don't like that I'm dancing and I'm dancing off key, I don't care what you think. Out of rhythm, you don't like that I'm singing and I sound like a dog howling. <laughs> Or a goat screaming, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me, I wasn't doing it for you in the first place. Can somebody say amen? amen? But she's trying to use what she produces to be accepted. She didn't believe she was enough, so she thought if she produced something beautiful, it would make her beautiful. And all of us have this desire on the inside of us. It's, it's a part of our DNA, it's a part of how we work wired and created by God to be seen, to be heard, and to be connected. This is a a good desire that God puts in our lives, but here's the problem. If these desires get out of whack, then the enemy will use these desires to cut you off from the thing that gives you strength. He will use the things that you want, the things that you are attracted to, to cut you off from the things that give you strength. Strength. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Samson and this woman named Delilah. And Samson was attracted to Delilah. But Delilah only wanted to know the source of Samson's strength so that she could disconnect him from it. And when the enemy sends temptation into your life, it doesn't come looking, looking ugly. It comes looking beautiful. It doesn't come looking gross. It comes looking like everything you ever wanted. And so the way he was able to separate Samson from his strength and deceive him was he gave him the thing that he was attracted to, the thing that he wanted that made him feel like he was full. And here's what I found out about the blessing that God wants to bring into your life, the good success that he's talking to Joshua about and that we are talking about, is that I never have to use the culture's methods ...to get God's blessing. I can be successful without God... ...but it won't be good success. Because you can have it... ...and lose you. I've met a lot of people with possessions... ...that have lost their person. People that are accomplished... ...but they have no identity. And I know they've lost themselves because when you have to stay high to stay happy you have lost you and i'm not talking about staying high just in the sense of drugs i'm i'm talking in the sense of the thing that accomplishment does in your life that the that, that thing that happens when you when you get a when you get a A text message on your phone and you feel important or you get a comment on Instagram and you feel like you matter, you get more likes than you usually get and you feel like, man, life is about to really turn for my good in the name of Jesus. Those endorphins that come rushing through your body when you sense accomplishment or you sense approval or you sense that things are turning in your favor, if you're not careful, you will need that high to stay happy. And in Leah's life, she had a lot of sons to get to Judah. And I just wonder how many people, how many times you have to go through the process that you're going through to try to make people happy, only to realize they're not happy with you before you get to Judah. The Bible says in Judges 20, it says, send Judah first, (laughs) Judas should have, sh- should have been the name of the first. <laughs> but Judas seems to be the name of the last very often because praise is often a last resort and not a first response. And I don't want praise to be my last resort. I want praise to be my first response. Praise must be first. And that's why Jesus in Matthew 11 and 28, he shows up on the scene and he starts to talk to people. And he says, is there anybody tired? Anybody overwhelmed? Is there anybody kind of... Pushed down because of everything that life is throwing at you. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, you're still carrying a yoke, it's, but now it's an easy yoke. You're, you're still carrying a burden, but now it's a light burden. You still work, but you don't work for rest, you work from rest. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You, there are still going to be days where you sweat, but you're not going to sweat by yourself. You're going to sweat along with God. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in the room thankful that when I connect myself with God it's not that I stop working it's just that I start doing a different kind of work and how work affects me and how producing affects me and what it does for me it all changes it all changes Jesus says has life been treating you harshly I've got rest for you because your problem isn't always a tired body most of the time it's a restless soul most of the time it's because we have broken divine rhythm. My my son Oliver, we were playing we were down in the basement and and we were playing Fortnite one time. And uh yeah I I, I play Fortnite. And uh every now and then and uh I, I this is when I was first getting into it and I was not really good in, in Fortnite you, you have to build these forts to protect yourself and uh I, I, was, I, I was trying so hard. And, and Oliver looks at me and goes, Dad, you're so sweaty right now. <laughs> There's not one drop of sweat coming down my head. But, but he's like, bro, you're so sweaty right now. And I'm like, "What you, what's, what's that mean? He said, Dad, you're a tryhard. <laughs> he's like, Dad, sometimes the harder you try to do it, the worse you are. At doing it, you have to let it come naturally. I'm like, you are nine? You're, he's ten now. But well, he was nine years old. I'm like, how are you? But out of the mouth of babes, I guess the Bible says, God has ordained praise. So every now and then your nine-year-old teaches you a life lesson. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So, you're such a try-hard dad. Wow. That's, thanks, buddy. <laughs> and if we're not careful, there's a, there's a great story and, and we've talked about it many times in this room. And you've heard it many times in podcasts and the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to go through that whole story. I just want to show you a change in his mindset that happens through, from the beginning of that story to the end of that story. The Bible says at the beginning of that story, this son goes to his father and he says, give me my inheritance now. Something that was reserved for his future. Something that was reserved for him after he went through a process. He wanted it now. The Bible says he got it. The father gave it to him. He goes and he spends all of it and he finds himself lost and in a desperate situation He's, he's, he's so lost that he's. this is a Jewish boy who finds himself around pigs, which would have been unlawful, but he's so desperate. The Bible says not only is he around pigs, but he's so hungry he's wanting to eat the pig's food. And then all of a sudden the Bible says he comes to himself and he remembers his father's house. And as he's putting together this, this speech that he's going to say to his father, watch the change Even though he's in the middle of the worst situation of his life, watch how much he has grown. Listen to me. You can be immature and in the house, and you can be mature and in a pig pen. Growth is not always about where you are. Growth is about what you are saying. Remember, beginning of the story, he says, give me end of the story he's matured by process and he says if i could just get back to dad's house maybe he would make me into one of his servants look at the progression there when you're immature when when you're when you're trying to live your life (laughs) the culture's way life is about give it to me but when you are living with a kingdom mindset, your mindset is make me. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. He doesn't say follow me and I will give you. He says, follow me and I will make you. And I wonder if anybody in the room has lived their life with the give me mentality and realized, man, that does not work out. That is not how how the kingdom works. That might be how the culture works. But remember, we do not use the culture's methods to get what God has promised us. As a matter of fact, in the kingdom, we don't even chase dreams. We cooperate with dreams. I don't chase anything... I chase a person, his name is Jesus, and if I will pursue him, everything that I need will come to me. I don't have to chase money, I don't have to chase promotion. If I will chase Jesus, promotion will come to me, money will come to me, come on somebody. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, you're worried about your money, you're worried about your clothes, you're worried about your food, you're worried about all these things. If you would just seek me first, and my kingdom, my righteousness, then all the things that you're worried about, I'll add them to your life. It, it, it's not that you're after the wrong things all the time. Sometimes you're after the right things the wrong way. And so I want to help you eliminate performance from your life. Like all of life is you on a stage trying to perform so that people will accept you, like you, promote you, and elevate you. This is not a performance today. It's funny to me. It's one of the funniest things is that people review churches. <laughs> review preachers. They're not performers. This isn't like you, you, you went to a play and they were performing for you. And Come on, man. And you paid money. Come on, some of y'all know you ain't given an offering in a long time. You have no right to review me. <laughs> life is, is, if you get caught up in performance mode, then you will spend your time trying to please people instead of praise God. So I have to eliminate performance from my life. I have to go from a give me mindset to a, to a make me mindset. I don't chase things. I receive things. Even even when it came to my salvation, I I wasn't looking for God. He was looking for me. (laughs) He he, He chased me down. He found me. You did not choose me, he told his disciples, but I chose you. Man. And sometimes what looks admirable, whether it's a work ethic or it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just dig in mentality or I'm going to make this happen or I'm going to be self-made or. Sometimes what looks admirable is actually a broken heart trying to mask itself with a virtue. Because brokenness doesn't always show itself in immoral behavior. Sometimes it shows itself as a dysfunctional virtue. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses does something that looks admirable, but it's dysfunctional. He's loyal to a fault. He's loyal to his own destruction. And when you overcommit, it's because you undervalue yourself. And let me, let me give you this story... Not from the life of just any average person. But let me give you this story from the life of Jesus, who performed miracles, and people saw those miracles, and they still didn't believe in him. (laughs) Let Let me give you in John chapter 7. Let me let me let me read these verses to you. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, it says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, think, think about that for a minute. Jesus, who's not afraid of anything. Jesus, who actually has the power to defeat death, doesn't go somewhere because of death. Again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And some of y'all are getting yourselves involved in stuff just because you can. And it's not the specific divine call that God has on your life. And you find yourself in the middle of trouble thinking, I, I, I thought I had the talent to do this. I thought I had the ability to do this. This was an open door for me. Why is this not working? It was because you could, but you Shouldn't. So soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, listen to this. Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. Come on, man. Get out there and perform. Go on the road. Come on, Elvis. (laughs) Set up in the international and ruin your own life. Because you're trying to please some crazy old man who's trying to... I don't know if y'all saw Elvis, but I did. That... I had no idea. So his brothers are like, "Leave here, go to Judea. Come on, you need you need a you need a residency in Vegas where your followers can see your miracles. Listen, listen to what they say. First of all, you can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Come on, Jesus, perform. Come on, do your dance. Do that thing that everybody claps for. Do that thing that everybody recognizes you for. Verse 5, though, says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. His own family didn't believe in him. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to impress people who will never believe in you. They can watch you do miracles and still won't believe in you. Jesus replies, he says, now is not the right time for me to go. You can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. And some of y'all need to get comfortable with other people moving on and you remaining still. Because if not, you'll feel this pressure to go just because everybody else can go. You'll feel this pressure to keep up with everybody around you, sometimes you you look at your age and your circumstances and you see people of a similar age and similar circumstance and similar amount of kids and you're like, man, they're so far ahead of me. You need to get confident with just remaining in Galilee. It might not be your time yet because when it is your time, I said when it is your time, there is nothing that anyone can do to stop When God declares, now is the time, now is the season. When God opens a door, the Bible says no man can shut it. I'm not interested in doors men can open. I'm interested in a door that only God opens. Come on, somebody. He remained in Galilee. Listen, if, if remaining fills your heart with anxiety, then your value is coming from the wrong things. If rest fills you with anxiety and then your value is coming from the wrong things. If taking a break from work fills you with anxiety, your work has become your identity. (laughs) Hey parents, if taking a break from your children fills you with anxiety, then your children have become your identity. Can I I tell y'all something? A fear in my life. Um, I don't like flying, but I have to do it all the time. Oh, man, I love you. <laughs> Nothing happened to me that made me afraid of flying. I've just always been afraid of flying. I think it's because I, I'm not in control. I think it's because I'm not behind the wheel, even though that'd be way more dangerous <laughs> 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 than if... But I've, I've always had this fear of flying and so for a long time there were places that I just wouldn't go because I didn't want to I didn't want to fly and and I I started doing something a few years ago that and I, I did it because I was I, I was I was saying in my in my head I was like I'm just it's it's a, I'm worried about the kids and so there have been trips that I've gone on And poor Monica, I I make her fly on a separate flight than me. Because my fear is that if something happened to both of us, then our kids are left without parents. Oh man, that seems like a virtue, doesn't it? That's just fear controlling my life. As if to say, man... You kids, if you don't have me, your life's going to fall apart. (laughs) Without us, you're worthless. Without us, I mean, I don't know how you could make it. Three of my four kids are 18 plus. They've already shown me that they don't need me. My son comes to me the other day and he's like, Hey, Dad, I, I, I'm finding some good apartments. I'm like, you don't need me? He's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, no, I, I don't want to stay here forever, Dad. I'm like, and it's, it's he, he, here's, here's, here's what it is. It's not that I'm concerned that they need me. I'm concerned, who am I without them? That's my fear. Oh, my goodness. So the command the Bible actually takes the most time with is the command to rest. It's the command to keep the Sabbath. Why? Because God knew it would be the hardest one for us to keep. Just to be honest, I don't have a whole lot of problem with thou shalt not kill. <laughs> I step on bugs and feel bad about it. Anybody else? I don't see anybody like running around in their car just like trying to hit possums. Like <clears throat> like you hit an animal and you're like, oh, I just killed a rat? Oh, no, I mean rats. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, anytime she sees a, sees a cow on the side of the road that's gotten out of the fence, she thinks it's her responsibility to rescue it. So she, she stops the car in the middle of the highway and she's chasing cows down and calling 911. <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to do if you catch up to this <laughs> you like cow whisper it shh just like, sh- know what, what are you going to do But <laughs> this command to rest why is this so important it's the hardest one for us to keep how do we start to obey it remember he said Joshua these commands are for, for your good if you'll keep these things, you will have good success. Prayer is a real key to maintaining the proper pace for your life. The pace of Jesus' life is an interesting thing to observe. But the pace of Jesus' life was determined by his prayer life. Luke 5 Says that great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Look at that. People had needs, but Jesus withdrew. Every need is not your responsibility. Jesus says, I I, I see your need, I hear your need, but I I need to get alone with the Father because if I start trying to do this outside of relationship with God, then it's just going to be performance. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, arising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark 6, 46, after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. It was a necessity for Jesus. I just have never understood people who think that they can get away with not praying and have a real vibrant relationship with God. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more? Do we need to pray? And he wasn't escaping responsibilities, but he was focusing on his most important one. Prayer, when he prayed, he was guarding his most important relationship. And if you'll guard your most important relationship, you won't have to fight for your other relationships. Somebody needs to write that down. Y'all should tweet that. Man, I should look at my phone right now and see how many messages I got from none, none. Thanks, guys. Maybe it's during those prayer times where Jesus gained confidence in His Father's will. Remember, He would say stuff like, "I only see, I only do the things I see the Father do." Well, when was that? When He prayed? When He spent time with the Father? Maybe that. Those moments is, are where he gained the strength that freed him to, to rest, even sleep, during storms and the sounds of human panic. I love it. Don't you? The story of the storm and Jesus sleeping in the storm and the disciples are panicking. And he's still sleeping. There's a message in that. you're a follower of Jesus but every time the world goes into a panic or into a crisis it throws you into a crisis maybe you don't have a prayer life maybe you're not taking full advantage of the relationship that you have with God because Jesus teaches us that even when the storm is raging and people are panicking you can still sleep and and if you if you don't have a prayer life And you don't have a relationship with God that brings peace and rest and a proper pace. Let me give you three things that you will always be. Number one, you'll be irritable. Because we're irritable when we build something that's bigger than our character. (laughs) I'm not impressed anymore with people who can get success. I'm impressed with people who can keep it. I'm not impressed with how fast your business grows or how fast your church grows or how fast your life grows. I'm interested in can you keep it for the long haul? Can God trust you with influence and you not get full of yourself? You ever met an irritable person? Are you the irritable <laughs> person? Have you met yourself is what I'm actually, that's the question I wanted to ask. But have you met you, irritable. Number two, hypersensitive. It's when you have a lack of confidence that you're in the will of God. So minor infractions become major blow ups. Monica will look at me sometimes and she'll be like, you know this is not that big of a deal. I'm like, maybe to you it isn't. But to me, this is everything. You know what I found out, even leading this church, that the only things that become real issues in our church are the things that I make an issue. As the leader, you have so much control over the things that become mountains and the things that you keep small. Because not every not every situation deserves my attention. People tell me sometimes, Rob, you heard what people say about you? Yeah, I, I, clearly I've heard those things. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Because, if, man, if I start trying to run around and put out every fire, put out every... Layer of gossip, put out every layer of somebody saying something negative about me. I'll spend the rest of my life trying to do that, and I'll turn. <laughs> somebody said one time they said they said, "Aren't you going to respond?" Because is back when I had a Facebook and I had posted something. And somebody said something under, in it, and they commented And somebody said, "Aren't you going to respond to that?" I said, "No," because that's what they want. <laughs> You realize this person has no influence and they're trying to use my influence. If I'll ignore them, then it becomes a non-issue. But if I add my influence to it, then it becomes bigger than it should have become. And so, man, you got to stop being so hypersensitive that you think you got to fix every single thing that's going on around you. Number three, it'll make you Restless. Psalm 127, 1-2 through 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord protects the city, its watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. But He grants sleep to those He loves. I was talking to a friend recently and they were, they were doing just too much and they were... They were irritable and they were hypersensitive and they they were restless and I was like, Man, you need to sleep. And they're like, Man, I'll sleep when I die. I was like, Well, that die thing might come a whole lot quicker than, <laughs> than you think. And he said, he said, Yeah, you're probably not getting as much done as me because you're not you're you're sleeping eight hours a night. I said, No, 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 no. I said, I said, bro i'm doing as much if not more than you i'm just trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to say to you i'm going to bed like even this even this argument you want to prolong it i'm going to sleep sometimes you got to look at your spouse and be like i just don't have the energy for this like i'm going to bed You can stay out here and fume if you want to, but I'm going to bed. And if you're in the bed, you don't have to send me to the couch, honey. I'm going to the couch all by myself because I'm going to bed. Nothing that God gives us robs us of sleep. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when he makes you wealthier, he gives you riches. The Bible says he adds no sorrow to it. If there's any sorrow connected to, to, to your possessions, it's because God didn't give it to you. If there's sorrow connected to your relationships, it's because you haven't allowed God in your relationship. And you're staying all up all night trying to manage it. And I'm just telling you, I'm going to bed. And I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to get everything that God has for me in that day. And then I'm going to sleep again. So I just came to tell you, watch me keep my marriage and still be successful. Watch me still have a relationship with my kids and get everything that God has for my life. It doesn't have to be either or. I don't have to sacrifice my relationships for my job. I don't have to do that because anything that God gives me, He gives and He builds into it rest. Oh, man. Robbie, it won't happen if I don't... Robbie, if I don't... Robbie, if I don't... You don't understand, but if I don't work, where's God in all of this? Where's God in the conversation? I got to grind. I got to work. I got to stay up late. Team no sleep. I got to do it. I got to make it happen. Where's God? And some of you have pushed God out of your life because you're so busy trying to produce and perform now realizing that if you'll invite God in, that's why we give, that's why we tithe. Because God's like, if you'll give me 10%, I can, you can do more with the 90% you have left than if you kept all of it and used it yourself and added your wisdom to it. If you'll give it to me, I'll make 90% go further than 100%. When we don't, when we don't invite God into it, it's, you, you just rob yourself of the supernatural things that God can do. Because you keep getting in the way. And there's a pressure that comes with that. Jesus felt extreme pressure. But he was never running anywhere. Remember John 7? I told you his brothers are like, go to Judea, prove yourself. Jesus was like, that's a dangerous place for me right now. If you're not careful, you will put yourself in dangerous situations just to please people. If you were really my friend, no, if I was really your friend, you wouldn't ask me to compromise my values to remain your friend. You can't become famous like this, Jesus. You, you you can't be known like this jesus Matthew 11:29 there's this word it's it's lowly the word lowly it's the greek lexicon defines it this way not rising far from the ground that's a picture of a, of a person prayer is not is not always about going into a private room and Calling out on God. Sometimes prayer is just like you're in your car on the way to work and you're just like, God, I can't do this without you today. Like these people are wild. I'm not in a I'm not in the right mind today. My mood is whack. I haven't been sleeping good. I need your help. Just me. That's why the Bible says don't cease to pray. It's not that we live in our prayer closets. I can't come out, I'm praying. You gotta go. You gotta go to work no, I'm praying you get you gotta eat no I'm praying I think that's a misinterpretation of <laughs> pray without ceasing. Prayer is not an event, it's a lifestyle right So I can still live life and pray without ceasing so it's it's the way it's defined here is lowly it's a person who is doesn't rise far from the ground. A person with a lowly heart is not bothered by being incognito, anonymous, underestimated, underappreciated. Jesus is our best example. Never concerned with impressing people or building a name for himself. Remember, I told you this a few weeks ago, Philippians 2 said that Jesus made himself nothing and God gave him a name. And if we would quit trying to make a name for ourselves, maybe God would give us one. He didn't worry about getting credit for his good deeds or clearing his reputation when he was falsely accused. Man, if Jesus spent his time running around town trying to shut down everybody who falsely accused him, he couldn't have accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish. No wonder he got so much done in three and a half years. Because he wasn't worried about people hating on him and talking bad about him and saying bad things in the press. He just kept doing what God had called him to do. Did you hear about that article they wrote about you, Jesus? I ain't got time for that. I set my face like a flint. I got to get to Jerusalem. Did you hear what so-and-so said about you, Jesus, and Nazareth? Did you hear they said nothing good comes out of you? I ain't got time for that. I got a cross to get to. I, I've got this burden that's pushing me towards something greater. And nothing you say, nothing you write, nothing you do is going to keep me from what God is calling me to You're insecure like that. Your life will be run by people who, who don't and never will believe in you. If you're care- if you're not careful, you'll live your life with these kind of what ifs. You'll be like, what if they don't love me? What if I'm not enough? And those are the wrong what ifs. What if God loves you? <laughs> what if God says you're enough? What if God doesn't define you by what you produce, but you are defined by who He says you are, who He has made you to be? The Bible teaches me that those aren't really what-ifs. Those are settled questions. God does love me. I am enough because of Jesus. And because those answers are already settled that means my performance good or bad never impacts my position in Christ I think I'm able to preach with such confidence every single week because I know that even if I stink it up today and I might have in somebody's opinion somebody's going to leave today and be like man he didn't speak a word to me I don't even know what he was talking about I couldn't understand him today And that's fine. That's fine because I've discovered that no matter how good I preach or how good I perform or how great I am as a dad and I want to be a great dad or how great I am as a husband, none of that affects my position in Christ. And when that is secure and I am confident in that relationship, I don't have to struggle in all of my other relationships. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to stop striving and help us to find our stride. Help us to find the pace that you have determined for this season of our life so that we don't run into places that are dangerous to us just because we're trying to something we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus nothing to prove the final say over our eternity oh it's already settled if we've given our life to you that's settled and may we live with that settled confidence that if God before us then who can be against us every head bowed every eye closed if you're in this room today and you would say Robbie man I feel far away from the God you're talking about today I feel disconnected from him and his presence maybe you're in the room today and you've never connected to God through faith in Jesus Christ you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and you've never been made brand new in Christ. Old things pass away, all things becoming new. Maybe that's never happened to you and you want to put your faith in Jesus today and come close to God. Or maybe you're in the room today and you feel far away from God because, like the Bible says, your sins have separated you from God. It's not that God separates from you, it's that your sins make you feel separated from God and you want to draw near again to God like that prodigal you you've had a change of mind and 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 you want to change from from give me to make me and you want to come close to Jesus today if that's you today and for the first time you want to put your faith in Jesus or you want to come back to the Lord today I'm going to count to three and when I do I just want you to throw your hand up in the air and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that in this moment because we still believe in the power of prayer we still believe that we are saved by confession, not by works, we are, still, we are saved by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if that's you today, and you wanna draw near to God, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air if that's you. I see you, hands everywhere, I see you. Come on, keep it up real high, keep it up real high. Come on, everybody in this room, let's stand on our feet today, and let's all, as we stand, let's, let's pray this prayer together with those who lifted their hands. Dear Jesus, Thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sin. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, if you made a decision today, we want to stay connected to you. One of the best things you can do is just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. You're like, man, I don't know what to do next. Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back to God's house. A second thought for you today is consider baptism. Consider being baptized. Consider obeying the command of Jesus to repent and be baptized. Consider that today. If you want to, you can go to our website and you can find out more information about that or you can go to the lobby out here and they'll help you with that in the hub. And you're like, what if I've already been baptized but I've renewed my commitment to God and I'd like to get baptized again? We would love to see that. Revelation talks about if you come back to God, going back and doing your first works all over again, those things you did at the beginning. And I think that would be a great thing. I got baptized really early in life and I couldn't really remember it. I just didn't have a good memory of it. And so I did it again and it was transformative in my life. It was a powerful moment in my life that I'll never, ever forget. So we encourage you today to get baptized and follow the example of Jesus. We would love for you to do that. So keep coming back and get baptized. God bless you. Thank you so much today. I'll see you soon. Have the best Sunday.